Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. On this episode, managing change and panic in a global crisis. First, here's what you need to know about this podcast series. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, and technology. And each offers ideas and facts you need to know about to thrive in today's busy world. An index of our podcasts, who I am, as well as subscription information, is available at steveprentice.com under the Podcast tab. The COVID-19 outbreak has forced changes on our society that have never been seen in our lifetimes. People in North America have lived their lives seeing localized skirmishes, floods, earthquakes, tornadoes, and even riots, but these have always been isolated incidents. They have all had a demarcation zone outside of which life continues normally. You have to actually go back to the Second World War in Europe and the Great Depression in America to observe life being uprooted and restricted universally. And we don't like it. This is change on an incomprehensible scale. Change represents uncertainty, and uncertainty breeds fear. The instinctive response to fear is to go to ground, to return to the nest, and to turn to instinct, that old, unthinking fight-or-flight reflex that immediately activates when a threat is present. This explains the rush of toilet paper buying that accompanied the first few days of the pandemic's news settling in. People had to do something. We can't run away from this thing, so we instinctively feel the need to stock up on what instinct tells us. This is exacerbated, of course, by seeing others do it because panic is contagious. It spreads even quicker than a virus, wrapping people up in an instinctive reflex of self-preservation. As we observe everything we know shut down and turn away from us, the fear compounds. Not only is this a strange and unwelcome way of living, it also has direct impacts on all of us, our jobs, our family members, and our ability to pay the bills. These are real fears, certainly, and this is no time for political leaders to either sugarcoat them, distract us from them, or ignore them. Change management is one of my areas of speciality, and if there's one common theme about change, it's that no one likes change forced upon them. But there's something else to consider, something that will really help. Facts. Facts help manage fear. Each person operates with two sides to their internal selves. We have an emotional side and a logical side. And the two are always jostling for supremacy, and emotion always wins. That's why when you think about some of the large decisions you have made in your life, like maybe buying a car or a house, or even choosing a school or a job, your choice will likely be based on what feels right. You will use your research and understanding of the facts, your logic, to back up the decision, but ultimately it's what you feel that counts the most. So emotion wins all the time. And the most powerful emotion of all? It's fear. Fear motivates us to stay safe and to protect our children. Fear makes you stay away from food that doesn't look right and to keep away from large animals that can do you harm. This type of fear is leveraged to some degree in advertising, making you instinctively worry that you are not a good parent if you do not buy this brand of detergent, and that you are not a cool person if you do not buy this brand of car. But obviously, fear is not comfortable. That's where facts help. Facts help neutralize fear and replace it with a sense of purpose and well-founded optimism. Consider some of the facts of this current lockdown and social distancing measures now in place. Number one, they are temporary. There will be an end to them. Life will return to normal or close to it. 
Number two, they are being done to get ahead of the rush of patients. This is a treatable disease in most cases. People are not dying in the streets like the bubonic plague. The lockdown is designed to slow the spread to ensure everyone gets the help they need. It's like a movie theater on opening night or assigned seating at a concert. Instead of managing a surging crowd of people, you get them to form a line, a queue. Number three, science understands this virus. Treatments and antivirals are already being created. A cure is coming. Number four, Korea, China, and Singapore especially have shown that it can be done. The social organization needed to mitigate the damage has now been proven. And number five, people are recovering. The Second World War, as I mentioned, was a time of a similar scale of disruptions with the added threat of actual bombs and rockets falling from the sky. It bears mentioning, by the way, that there are a lot of people currently suffering the same thing right now in many parts of the world. But the scope of the Second World War was almost universal. Anyone living in the countries where the war was being fought experienced rationing, limited physical movement, and the interruption of careers and jobs to say nothing of the loss of loved ones. Winston Churchill was a master at using the media of radio to deliver words of comfort and advice. In other words, speaking to people's emotions first and logic second in a time of fear. One of the best of these was, keep calm and carry on. The practical beauty of this phrase as a crisis management tool for the masses is huge. First, it's very short and memorable. But it is also in the moment. Whereas most phrases of reassurance focus on a fixed point in the distance, the phrase keep calm and carry on helps deliver a reinforcement of a new normal. As a people, we can learn to acknowledge and then suppress those feelings of fear and then adapt to a new normal, at least for now. A way of living the same life, even if under new conditions. You keep calm and you carry on. This is doubly important for what was happening then as well as what is happening now. There is no concrete finish line in sight right now. If the current outbreak and its related difficulties were guaranteed to be over and done with 60 days from now, people would be in a far better place. We could dig in and get through when there's a finish line in sight. But when there isn't, the fear reappears. A fear of the unknown. And once again, this triggers the fight-or-flight reflexive need to conserve energy and resources to better survive an unknown threat. So then, as now, the mantra of keeping calm and carrying on replaces that of saying, just hang on for 60 days, as a way of normalizing this new existence. Profound changes in schedule, such as no longer commuting to the office, or getting used to being at home with your partner and or kids much more than is usual, is likely to disrupt your physiology as well. That's why working from home needs breaks. When the people who are driving you stir-crazy are the ones you love rather than simply your office co-workers, de-stressing becomes vital. It is helpful, therefore, to find a place where you can walk and take deep, measured breaths. I mean this in all seriousness and earnestness. Even if you don't do yoga regularly or you don't meditate, the importance of deep breathing should not be overlooked in times like this as a simple physiological way to cut down on your stress response. As Esther Sternberg, research director at the Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, states, quote, a much more effective and quicker way of interrupting the stress response is to turn on the vagus nerve, which, by the way, is an extremely powerful nerve that controls a range of responses in the body, which in turn powers up the parasympathetic nervous system, unquote. Basically, she's saying here that deep breathing turns on this vagus nerve enough so that it acts as a break on the stress response.
Although this may not solve your situational problems, of course, it helps manage your response to them, which in turn allows the thinking areas of your brain to take over rather than being sidelined by that fight-or-flight reflex. Remember also that worrying at night is worse than worrying during the day. At night, especially around 3 a.m., your body is trying to focus on repair. It lowers body temperature by a degree or so and focuses its energy on rebuilding from the wear and tear of the day before. In fact, this period, long known as the dead of night, is quite apt in that you will be at your lowest metabolic ebb of the entire 24-hour cycle as breathing, pulse, digestion, and everything else steps down a little to allow your body an opportunity to redirect its resources towards repair. So naturally, if you wake up at 3 a.m., the worries of your world will seem much larger than they do in the daylight because you as a person are weaker, smaller, and more vulnerable than you are during the day. Sometimes it just helps to know that. If you wake up at 3 a.m. in a blind panic about work, about money, remind yourself, number one, there's nothing I can do about it at this moment because everyone else is asleep as well. But number two, if you have thoughts and ideas, write them down using pen and paper near your bed. Try not to use your phone for this because the light of your phone screen will further ruin your sleep chemistry, but write it down so that you can give your brain permission to let go of that thought, knowing it's safely stored on paper. As I said before, doing these things like deep breathing and writing down your 3am thoughts will not alleviate the problems, but they substantially improve the way you approach them by stick-handling your body's own fight-or-flight reflexes away and replacing them with clear thought. You remove the hormones of stress and replace them with the hormones of calm. The last thing I want to mention is that people go through emotional phases when things happen to them. You might be familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her five-stage model for grief, also known as the Kubler-Ross change curve. When faced with a loss or profound negative event, humans pass through five discrete emotional stages quite predictably. Number one is shock and denial where we refuse to admit that such a change has happened to our state of normalcy and we fight like crazy to keep things as they are, or at least to believe that they are as they are. Number two is anger. A fight-or-flight reflex which is rooted in fear, which is pure emotion without a rational counterbalance. It's the time to lash out. Number three is bargaining. This is a desire to restore normalcy by using the human emotion of hope. Number four is depression. As you recognize a changed state for what it is, but you are still under the power of emotions to feel justifiably negative about it, the natural response is depression. But finally comes acceptance, in which the emotions of shock have exhausted themselves and people start to face the reality of the change, both emotionally and logically, and steps towards acceptance and moving on can fully begin. This type of emotional sequence happens every time a negative change is imposed upon us. It's unlikely that lottery winners go through this, but for changes that disrupt the norm in a way we don't want, yeah, you and I and all of us go through these things. So why am I saying all this? Because it's important to recognize that there will be an end. This pandemic will pass through the current crisis phase and will settle down to become one of the many enemies that our biological cells must encounter along with influenza, measles, and E. coli, and many, many more. It's part of life on this planet. We will get to the point where science and our infrastructure will catch up, hopefully with minimized loss of life. 
People will continue to do work and do commerce. Those whose jobs have stopped for a while will inevitably start up again. You, as a person, will likely pass through these emotional stages, and if you are now in any of the first four, I think it helps to know that you will emerge from this emotional turmoil as well. That's why I feel the phrase keep calm and carry on is just so useful right now. These are not comfortable times. Things have changed that we did not want to change. But we will persevere. Go outside if you can. Take in some air from the outside and breathe it in deeply. The best parts of being a human being are also some of its most challenging points, as the very parts that keep us alive also cause us this great turmoil and uncertainty. So, just keep calm and carry on. If you have a comment about this short podcast or a question you would like answered in a future episode, please do let me know. You can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen Prentice, S-T-E-V-E-N-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E. And of course on LinkedIn, just search for the Cool Time Life, no spaces, just one word, Cool Time Life showcase page. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. The theme music for Cool Time Life was obtained through podcastthemes.com. And until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Stay safe, and thanks for listening.